This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Montana U.S. Senator John Tester. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Senator John Tester next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Montana U.S. Senator John Tester is one of a handful of farmers elected to serve in the legislative branch of Congress. He supports spending to pull the country from the pandemic-related recession and to invest in infrastructure. He's also one of many enduring a horrific drought in the West. So first of all, it's been severe. This has been the worst drought that I think uh, we've been on the farm. My wife and I, this is our 44th harvest coming up here. It's going to be probably the smallest harvest we've ever had because of the drought. And then uh, we got hit with a hailstorm last Sunday. I'll be cutting Friday, by the way, so five days before harvest, which is... I mean, that's, that's agriculture. That's production agriculture. It's, you take the good with the bad, and, and, uh, and it's been a painful year. And, and I will tell you, east of me, where I, and I'm in the north-central part of the state, east of me, uh, I don't know that the grass even greened up in the eastern part of Montana. Uh, it's been that dry. And so they're, they're going to cut even less than, than we're going to. And I will tell you that we've been talking to Secretary Vilsack, and he's been very responsive uh, uh, to us so far uh, to, to be able to uh, allow emergency hang and grazing on, on CRP, for example. Um, and, and then, to be honest with you, they're, they're going to have to gear up because there's, you know, we got crop insurance, we got hail insurance, but it doesn't seem to be ever enough. And so we're going to be pushing, um, you know, as we move forth here, uh, we're going to be pushing to make sure that, that we're supporting our, our family farm agriculture people. Uh, whether you're in the ranching business or in farming, uh, to make sure that they're around. Uh, it's important for our food chain. It's important for rural America. It's, I think it's important for food security. We don't want these folks going broke. And I think years like this, uh, even though, you know, if you've been at this game long enough, you know you, you, you try to salt away a little money during good times because you know every, every year isn't going to be a diamond. Uh, and, and this is one of those years it's a stone. And we're going to need some... We're going to need to have, have the federal government have our backs, and uh, we'll be pushing Secretary Vilsack to do exactly that. Senator, as we speak, Democrats have agreed to a $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation bill, and as I understand, that comes on top of the $1.2 trillion in the bipartisan infrastructure plan. Can you speak to the details of the spending package, and is there any concern about the budget deficit that's already over $2 trillion this year? Uh, yes, and yes. Uh, I'll start with the, the $1.2 trillion uh, over over eight years uh, because I was one of the ones that helped negotiate that package. Uh, we'll, we should have language out on it uh, that will dot the I's and cross the T's and tell folks how this is going to be implemented. Um, it will be taken up first. Um, and then to let your listeners know that that package deals with infrastructure like roads and bridges and 
electrical grid, broadband, water infrastructure, those kind of things, uh, traditional infrastructure. It's a significant investment. It's, it's $579 billion over baseline. They get to $1.3 by using baseline dollars that are traditionally allocated anyway, by the way. Uh, but it's, it's the biggest investment in infrastructure ever, and, uh, and it's, it's something that we need, and it's something that I, um, I'm, I'm glad to have been a part of. There's uh, another package, a $3.5 trillion package that uh, was put out by the Budget Committee that was just released. And in fact, I don't know near as much about the specifics because the information hasn't been released yet. Uh, I do know that it's going to deal in part with things like housing, uh, child care, uh, VA facilities, senior care. Those are four things that, that I'm, I'm reasonably sure are going to be in it, but there hasn't been a lot of I's dotted or T's crossed about how that's going to happen. Now, I'll be honest with you, uh, I think we need investments in both. We need investments in both traditional infrastructure. When I go around the state of Montana, as I did over the 4th of July, everywhere I stopped, I heard about the lack of workforce housing. Uh, I heard about the fact that child care costs so much that people can't afford to go to work. Um, uh, and I heard, I heard about the need for uh, more workers for workforce training. So um, we will see what happens as with anything it's, you know, where the rubber meets the road is, is where I'm going to make my decision. I think we need to have a debate on the $3.5 trillion. Uh, and if, 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 if we're able to um, you know, make some inroads in, into these areas of housing and, uh, and VA facilities and, and, and child care, um, it, you know, it'll it, it, it be a step in the right direction, but we'll see how that's done. So we're early, we're early on the on the three point five one. I'll have more information for you in, in, in over the next month on it. Consumer brief prices were up four and a half percent last month. Ranchers, uh, cow calf producers, uh, as I understand, they're not seeing any additional dollars at this point. What have we learned about the imbalance, and what are your concerns or suggestions here? We, uh, we need more competition in the marketplace. Capitalism doesn't work when you have consolidation, and that's what we have in the meat industry right now. And, uh, uh, you know, everybody needs to make a profit. Um, and what we're seeing right now is the Packers are making a real profit. Our cow-calf folks are going broke, and, uh, and our small and medium-sized feeders are going broke. Uh, I talked about the food chain a second ago as it applied to the drought. Uh, if, if we don't do something at the federal level, um, this is going to be bad, really bad for our food chain. Um, these folks go broke. It's going to change. It's going to change the look of this country, and it's going to change food security in this country forever. So, what needs to happen? We need to address the issue of consolidation. This is not a new problem. It's been around, you know, for 30, 40, 50 years. And right now, we've got four companies that control 80 percent of the meat in, the, in this country. Um, that's not competition. That's the four people going out on a golf course and figuring out what they're going to pay and what they're going to charge the consumer. And so we've got a bill that was passed over a hundred years ago called the Packers and Stockyards Act that is never, uh, I shouldn't say never, but let's put it this way, it could have more teeth in it. And so Senator Grassley, um, who's been around here for a long time, and myself have dropped in a bill. Uh, to put a special investigator in the Department of Agriculture that have investigatory powers and subpoena powers to be able to put some teeth into the Packers and Stockyards Act so that if there is collusion and there, and there is price fixing, that these folks can be held accountable. 
In the meantime, uh, we're working with Secretary Vilsack. Uh, uh, he announced yesterday he's got about five hundred uh, billion dollars that they're going to put out there for loans, uh, at least a portion of that for loans for startup and expanding existing meat processing. What will that do? That'll let a, a small uh, meat processing plant uh, in in Montana or any other state um, be able to expand and, and address. Uh, and be competitive with the big boys, and uh, and that'll put more competition in the marketplace. And I think it'll end up with a fairer market and uh, and and more competition. Um, we've also I've also got some stuff that and I'm doing all this stuff with Grassley. He, he's uh, he's he's been a leader on this and uh, has a eye on these issues for, for him longer than I have because he's been here a lot longer than I have. But we've also got another one that sets a cash price of cattle at fifty percent. Right now it's. 10 or 12 percent, and, and when it's that low, those cash prices can be manipulated to, to deal with the formula pricing and, and drive those prices down. Bottom line, bottom line is this: uh, we got a problem, uh, and we need to address it. It's a problem that has been around for a long time. I think we're, we're starting to see people on both sides of the aisle take notice of this. So, if we can get a bipartisan push to get some of these things done. I think it can make a big difference for the bottom line of our cow-calf producers and our small and medium-sized feeders be allowed them to stay in business and make an honest living and uh, and have a fair market. And and that's that's really where it's at. And uh, 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 we we got to fix this. If we don't fix this and we don't fix it soon, I'm going to tell you our our food security is not going to be where we need it to be in this country. And I'm I'm passionate about this because I've seen many of my friends and neighbors go broke not because they're bad operators because they were in a system that was rigged for the Packers. And we need to make sure that that, that rigging stops. If you're going to grow the small and medium-sized uh, processor, do you also work to make sure that there are adequate inspectors in place so that that meat that is processed could be sold across state lines? Uh, you're, you're very astute. Yes, indeed. You're exactly correct. We've got to have the process. We've got to have the inspectors out there. And then we've got to allow... For uh, uh, I believe you know it's the same standard whether it's state or federal inspections. This is all safe food, the safest food in the world, best food in the world too. Allow these folks to be able to sell across state lines. Let me take Montana for example. We got more cows than we got people. We got just over a million people in our state. If you allow a, a, a packing plant, a small packing plant, to be able to sell across state lines, that gives them access to Spokane, Washington, Seattle, Washington. Um, Salt Lake City, Denver, Minneapolis, Fargo. I mean, it's just uh, all around us, there's opportunities there to be able to employ people, process meat without shipping them halfway around the world and back again. Uh, and so it, it, it's, just, it's just a win-win deal all the way around. And by the way, I, I would just say that it would just connect the consumer up a lot closer with the producer, and I think that's always healthy. Uh, if you can keep food... Closer to where it's being raised, being processed and sold, I think that's a, that's a win-win deal. I recall former Texas Congressman Charlie Stenholm saying, "Be careful what you ask for from Washington." Is there a concern, Senator, of opening the gate for more government regulation in the cattle market? Look, uh, that's that's a concern by some, and I can tell you that uh, if 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 what we had going on right now worked. I wouldn't be talking to you about it. If there if there was competition in the marketplace, and we had folks, uh, you know, if it was a fair marketplace, 
I, I would say stay the hell out, uh, federal government. But right now, it ain't working. And so we need to put some sideboards on it. I think we always have to be cognizant of the fact that we don't want, uh, you know, we don't want Big Brother in there and, and, and once the problem's fixed. I think this problem can be fixed with just enforcement of a bill that was passed 100, over 100 years ago, the Packers and Stockyards Act. I don't think it's a heavy hand to government. I think it's just ensuring that we have competition in the marketplace. And I will tell you that I think that's fundamental uh, to capitalism and it's fundamental to our democracy. And so uh, once, that's, once that's enforced and they know that there's folks that are ensuring that farmers and ranchers are getting a fair price, I think we're off and we're going. Uh, but, but no, I'm, I'm not as worried about that as I am about letting the situation that we have now continue. And then I guarantee you we're going to have, a, we're gonna have our, our, food, our food processing, food for the consumers, the food chain is going to be severely altered. What are your thoughts about President Biden's executive order on agriculture? Because he's dipping a toe into this cattle market. Um, and I note that uh, some of the cattlemen groups support the effort, while the meat industry is opposing changes to the Packers and Stockyards administration. By executive order, is this, uh, is this a, a leg up in the measure? I, I support the move. Uh, let, let me ask you this, Jeff. If you were making 1300 bucks a head, would you be saying we want to, anybody watching over us? No, you'd say, man, this is a pretty good deal. Actually, you wouldn't. You'd be doing the right thing. What the president's trying to do here is make sure that, that there's competition in the marketplace. That's what he's trying to do. He knows that if we have strong ag markets, then we have a vibrant economy in rural America. And right now we don't have strong ag, ag markets because they're consolidated. And, and you know, we can... Pilgrim's Pride, prime example. I mean, they came in, they fixed prices, and uh, they did get fined for it. But but in the end, uh, you know, when they're making four hundred million bucks, a hundred million dollar fine ain't much. And uh, and that's what they made off of that 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 little uh, 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 scenario that they set up. So uh, getting back to the president's order, I think the president is is uh, pitching in on this. I appreciate it. And uh, now, now we need to get the special investigator passed. Uh, if we do that, uh, th- there's some oversight on, on these big guys. And here's another thing I didn't bring up to you, to, to you, Jeff, is that that take a look at what happened to JBS here about a month or a month and a half ago, where we had a, a, you know some some bad guys in Russia that came in and did a cyber attack on them. You know, they they're one of the big four that control 80 percent of the food. If you you apply that back. Twenty percent of our food is put at risk because of that. This is this is more than even even more than just competition in the marketplace. It's also about national security because if people don't have food to eat, you're you're in upheaval. So I appreciate what the president's done. Um, I don't I don't think it's enough. I think we need to get uh, a couple bills that that Grassley and I have passed. If we're able to do that, uh, then I think we're well on the way to making sure the markets will be more fair and we have competition. I'd like to ask you about a couple of tangents. Uh, Senator Booker from New Jersey is on the Senate Ag Committee and has introduced a bill again to go after CAFOs to eliminate those by 2040. Uh, are you concerned about confined animal livestock operations of the country? Well, I can tell you that there's some that I'm, I'm probably concerned about and others that I'm less concerned about. I think you you got to treat you got to treat animals uh, uh, humanely. And, and you don't want them, you don't want them walking around in knee deep crap. Let's just put it that way. 
And so, um, you know, the good operators, that doesn't happen. And so I don't know that you can drop them all into the same bucket is the, is the, is the problem, Jeff. And look, I, I'll be honest with you, I wish everything was able to be fattened on grass and out in the country, but we don't have the landmass for that. And, uh, and so, you know, um, the, I'm also one of those guys that likes a good barley fat and beef. I mean, I, you throw that steak on the plate and it's, pretty tough to beat that's uh, marbled up a little bit and so uh, you know and, and you get those from some of those uh, you know con, uh, animal feeding operations but they, once again you don't you don't want them destroying your, your your water water's critically important you don't want them you know you don't want them destroying anything you want them to be good operators and and uh, and and so I don't know that you can throw them all in the same in the same pot California has Proposition 12 that's set to go at the beginning of 2022. Thus far, the courts haven't really supported industry concerns about commerce. Could this come before the Congress, and is this a federal regulatory issue? I don't know. But what you do need to have if you want to have business to be able to thrive is you need predictability and consistency. And uh, I am uh, states have the right to do do whatever they want, but but I will tell you that um, the predictability between states is really important. I'm not somebody that says you know we need to override state law and all that kind of stuff, but by the same token, um, that predictability is really important. So it, it well may, may be something that the federal government is going to have to take up. There's plenty of momentum for climate smart agriculture in Washington. Now, a couple of questions along this as we wrap up: Can this be a one size fits all approach? And what app opportunities do you see for Montana and and your cattle producers and and crop producers there? Well, I will tell you that I I prefer the carrot over the stick, and and so I think that there are some things that we can do to to help sink carbon in in into grasslands and into croplands. Um, I, I also think that there's some things we can do in research and development that's going to give farmers and ranchers options. On, on, you know, how they farm. Look, I, I've got a, I've got a beautiful, I've got a, many beautiful tractors on my farm. Uh, every morning when I go out to do field work, I, I put, you know, a couple hundred gallons of diesel fuel in it and I go out and work. I, I, I'm also deaf and I'm deaf because of a Massey Ferguson 1155 tractor that's deafened because <laughs> the motor was so doggone loud. Truth is, is you give me the options to be able to convert that to electricity, and, and I, if I can generate that electricity, solar, wind, or, or somewhere else, I'm 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 cool with that. Uh, but we we're not there yet, and and so we need to have uh, really, and it has to be done at the federal level. We need to have some real dollars invested in research and development on energy sources and energy options for, for transportation vehicles and, and for farming vehicles. I think it's coming. I think it'll be here in 20 years. I think that, you know, I was talking to Mitt Romney here a while back. He kind of likes old cars, and so do I. And he said, what do you think this is going to be like in 50, 60 years? And I said, I think they're going to they're gonna be very, very cool, and it's going to be hard to find uh, gasoline to put in them because I think our, our, our transportation and our, uh, and, and our economy is changing, and, and I think it's, I think it's going to happen whether you like it or not, and we just got to do it smart. And, and I will say this, when it comes to climate, uh, farmers and ranchers are at the tip of the spear. They see what's going on. They, they understand it as well or better than anybody. And, and I think that if, if we get good policies, keep those folks in mind, get their input, 
I think we can get everybody pulling on the rope the same direction. Senator Tester, I want to thank you for being a part of this edition of Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and today the Montana farmer gets the last word. Well, I, it's always a pleasure to visit with you. I, you know, if there's one thing agriculture needs, it needs folks out there that's talking about the challenges and the opportunities out there for agriculture so that, uh, you know, the consumer knows what they are and so that the young people get interested and come back to the farm and go to work. It's uh, it, it's a it's a wonderful way of life. It's not nearly as uh, as glorious as a lot of people think it is, but it's a damn good living. Our thanks to Montana U.S. Senator John Tester, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse. I'm Jeff Daly.